what it means to be baptised. And uh, in, 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 the main thing that you're about to witness occurs um, as a result of faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what it means to have a faith in Jesus Christ. I think we're just working on getting the PowerPoint up because I've just got some images for you to look at. Um, just while that's coming up, I want you to let you know that in your news sheet this morning is just the dates of our next baptism classes. You can see them there. And the, the, the classes are starting just in two weeks' time on Wednesday, the 6th of February and the 13th of February. So as you're witnessing the baptisms today, uh, you can ask, you know, is this something that you might want me to do, God? Is this something that you're calling me to do? And if you want more information about baptism and why we baptise people and what purpose is there, this little information booklet is available at the information desk as you leave and it's a great resource just to help you. Well, it doesn't look like that's uh, going to be working up there, so we'll just forget that. Someone's... Yep, that's okay. What happens is God loves us so much. He made us so that we would know him and that we would have a relationship with him. God loves us. The problem is that we, in our own self-world, turn our back on God. We turn away from God's love and we say to God, we want to live our own way and do our own thing. And the Bible calls this sin and if you've ever done that, turned your back on God or said, I want to live my own way and not your way, well, the good news is for you that you're just like every single person in the world. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when we sin and when we turn our back on God, it creates a barrier between God who loves us and wants to have a relationship with us and us. And the barrier is sin. And most people realise and long to have a relationship with God, but know that there's a barrier between us and God because of sin in our life. And many people want to do things to try and bridge the gap that's created between us and God. There's many ways people do this. Some, some try and be good. You know, they try and be nice to people by being polite, shaking hands with people, you know, inviting them over for dinner. Uh, other people say, I'm going to give to the Red Cross or the Red Shield or to any good thing that I can. I'm going to adopt a child so that I'll be good enough to bridge the gap that separates me from God. I'll try and work my way back to God by doing good things. The Bible says that you cannot do that because you've sinned and broken relationship with him. You've separated yourself from God and you have to pay the price. There's a penalty. And the Bible says that it's death. And that's separation from God forever in hell. And no matter how much we try and earn our way back, we can't. But the Bible teaches that God has done for us what we could never do. He's provided a way for us to be reunited to God. He sent his own son, God in the flesh, into this world, who lived his life among us, who died on a cross, who was buried and rose again. The Bible teaches that when he died on the cross, he took upon himself your sin and my sin so that we might be able to come back to a relationship with him, to bridge the gap that's between us and God because Jesus has paid the penalty that we deserved. Now, that's not true for everyone. The way Christ's death takes effect in your life 
is by trusting in Jesus by faith. You put your whole trust not on good works to get back to God, but on Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. And when that happens, you're reunited with God because he forgives you because Jesus has paid the penalty that you deserved when he died on the cross. You receive new life. You're filled with his spirit. You are united with him and know his presence and love with you every day. And it's a reason for celebration. It's good news. When you have been forgiven through Jesus Christ, do you know what? The Bible says that is a great time to be baptised. You've put your trust in him. You've, Jesus has bridged the gap. Then that's a great time to demonstrate what you have done in your heart publicly for everybody to see. And Jesus was baptised. So we, we baptised following his example. Not only was Jesus baptised, but he commanded us to baptise. His last words to his disciples was, go into all the world baptising people in my name. And we do this because it shows, really demonstrates that we are believers. We're willing to obey his commands and do what he calls us to do. In our church, we baptised believers, those who know Jesus and understand what he has done for them and what he has saved them from. We don't baptise children or little babies because they don't have faith in Christ. Uh, in, in our church, we dip by full immersion, put people right under, right under because the word baptism means to dip, to immerse. And as we dip and go under, it symbolises dying to self and rising to him. Christ is here this morning. His spirit is present. God has shown his love to David, Adam Thwaite and Lynn Cullen and we're excited now as they come to share their testimony of why they're being baptised this morning. So why don't you welcome them as they come up now to share their testimony. And so forth. And he came out to me one night and we sat down on the 
on the sand at, the, at a small lake back home and had a good, really long chat for a couple of hours, or three hours, I think it might have been. Um, and he just sort of turned my thoughts around again. Um, it was it was good because he, he knew where I'd come, where I was, and was trying to show me where he got to and how. Um, I guess it had a bit more of an impact on me because not long after he died in a car accident, and it was kind of, I don't know, it seemed, it seemed like a personal message, like, you know, get yourself right because you could go at any time type thing. Um, volunteering to teach the teen Bible study at our church, local church, uh, helped me to study God's Word a lot more, and in some ways probably taught me more than the kids, although I hope the kids learned something while we were doing it. <laughs> uh, my Bible study and prayer life grew amazingly. Um, God has answered so many of my prayers and provide, provided for Eliza and I and those we've prayed for time and again. Um, we gave a safe travel for the three years Eliza was in Melbourne. You know, we were doing a four and a half hour trip back and forth, sometimes very early in the morning. Um, we had rain on our wedding day, uh, which some people weren't so sure about, but brought smiles to everybody. It was in the middle of a bit of a drought, and everybody turned up at church had a big grin on their face, so it was fantastic. Um, uh, he's led us to different jobs at different times, just when we've needed to move. Over here, Eliza got a job within two weeks. Um, a job was provided for me um, before we even shifted over. Um, he's led us to find a house out at Tangam, which is, suits us down to the ground and you know, what we can afford and everything. And now we've got a, a baby due in, in June. So, so, yeah, a bit of a, a buzz at the moment. We're all excited. So. Mm. Um, in the past, I felt pressured to be baptised, um, and uh, didn't didn't really uh, like that idea of it. Uh, people would say, "Oh, you need to be baptised. You must be baptised." And I, I thought, "Well, that might be right, but I don't want people telling me that I need to be done," sort of thing. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it yeah, just graded a bit on the on the way I think. Um, I also believe, I believe baptism is a personal decision. You've got to make that choice for yourself. Um, to know when, uh, know that you've got that personal connection with God and, and be ready to make that commitment. Um, lately I've been prompted, um, God's been prompting me that it's something that he wants me to do. Um, uh, to publicly declare my faith uh, to my family and friends, which are quite a few of them here today, which is great to see. And, uh, as I, and I wish to bring up our son or daughter, um, we haven't found out yet, <laughs> uh, in a committed Christian household, I've decided now is the right time to, to, to make that public declaration. So in, in response to God's provision, protection and love, I'll quote Ephesians 3, uh, chapters 14 to 19, which says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might of with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Yeah, you just start. Family, we enjoyed anything sporty and outdoors. 
in particular, we love the sport of cross-country skiing and, and later biathlon, which is a combination of cross-country skiing and small wall shooting. As a teenager, my parents supported me in the skiing endeavours and other interests like gymnastics and the flying brick by circus. Although my passion was for skiing and wasn't until my late twenties, uh, late teens, early twenties, when my dedication to cross-country skiing and biathlon consistently took me overseas for training camps and competition. It's a fantastic lifestyle, travelling to different European countries for World Cup circuits, um, where I would train and compete in two or three races per week, attend athlete social events, and then would pack up, travel to another country and do it all over again. It was like a big travelling circus. And despite the lows that in, are inevitable with sport, I had lots of fun and, and had got a lot of great memories. Thanks to the support of my family, years of training, travelling and competition, I've had a once in a lifetime experience and represented Australia as an athlete at World Cup, World Championships and Olympic squad level. And I was also an assistant coach at the 1992 Winter Olympic Games. I'm so thankful for being given these opportunities, despite missing out on my ultimate goal as an athlete of selection to a Winter Olympic team. As you can guess, my days as an athlete were busy and as a result, I lived a very structured and sport-focused life. Therefore, my attendance at church was very sporadic. When I retired from skiing, I was uncertain of what was next for me and what was my purpose for being here. However, I knew there was more to life than what I had experienced so far. It was during uni when my friends challenged my thinking and where I met a guy called Paul who was so different from all the other guys I'd ever met. I wanted to know what made him so different from me. An opportunity arose to spend a day out with Paul and a mutual uni friend, which I was really excited about. But it wasn't until the drive home that I received the biggest clue to our differences. Paul had invited me to church. That church service was memorable for me. Firstly, I was floored to see so many people of similar age attending church and secondly I was challenged to say the least by the, the sermon I heard. It was titled Good People Don't Go to Heaven. To tell you the truth I was really angry about what I heard in the sermon because I'd always considered myself a good person. Nevertheless the sermon had caught my attention and after a week of discussions with Paul and my friends I returned to the next Sunday to hear the sermon on What Is Your Story? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It was then that I realised I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, although I really wanted to know what having a personal relationship meant and what I was required to do. When asking my uni friend Kat how I could find out more, she told me of a course we could do together called Christianity Explained. This course outlined who Jesus was, what he did for me and all of us, and how to begin a relationship with him. At the completion of this course was when I decided I wanted to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is, believing Jesus is God's Son, that he died on the cross for forgiveness of my sins, and that he rose again, having victory over death. That was ten years ago now. Since then, I have continued to grow and develop in my relationship with Christ. I moved to Sydney for work, and while we were there, Paul and I were married. Together we were involved in small groups. Um, Paul was the leader of our small group, and I was also a part of the welcoming ministry at the church we attended. We returned to Oruwodonga after the birth of our daughter, Georgia, just over four years ago. Despite being, love being back in the country and close to both sides of the family, um, it was a challenging time leaving all our very close friends in Sydney and returning here with a newborn baby and trying to establish new friendships. In 2005, we made Wodonga Baptist our regular church home 
as regular as one could be, now with two small children. Our son was born in early 2005. I think that year Georgia was more regular than Paul and I because we alternated babysitting Josh at home. Two years ago, I was invited to, to assist with Little Kids Church in a volunteer role. I thoroughly enjoyed this role and witnessing the children's enthusiasm to learn about Jesus, but it's also given me a chance to be part of and appreciate all the work that goes into the Little Kids um, for kids' church ministries. I'm certain I have only seen a small part of the work necessary for such an extensive kids' program. During the same year, I became, I began attending um, Bree, the Bible study group for women, on, a Friday, on Friday mornings. I not only found this beneficial for my spiritual growth and development, but it was a way for me to attend a Bible study group. I'd not been in Bible study group since leaving Sydney two and a half years prior. The topic study have directly helped me as a wife, mother with two young children, and have encouraged me on a personal level to continue to grow and develop my understanding of the Bible and my relationship with God. Last year, Joshua and I attended um, a playgroup session coordinated through this church. It was a new experience for both of us and gave Josh an opportunity to have my undivided attention to play, create, listen to stories and sing. It's also given me an opportunity to have adult conversations and connect with other mums and dads. This year, I look forward to attending a nighttime Bible study group and having a more active role in playgroup ministry. So why do I decided to be baptised? Um, the past year, I felt in my heart it was something I needed to do to be obedient to Jesus, but also to make um, a public commitment as an adult. My parents were obedient on my behalf as an infant and, now, and had me christened and now it's my turn to be obedient and be baptised as an adult. Mm. Okay. We just pray together as we prepare for this baptism. God, thank you for Lynn and for Paul. Thank you for the way that you have been working in their lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done in their lives. And God, we thank you that we're able to witness their public declaration at this time. God, give them strength, empower them, and speak to us as we witness their baptism. In Jesus' name, amen. As your Lord and Saviour? I have. Great. And do you commit yourself to being a disciple of Jesus and to serving him through the church? I do. By his grace. Yes. Great. Well, we've heard your testimony and your responses to the questions. And so because of your uh, faith in Jesus Christ, I baptise you now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Great. <laughs> well it's nice and warm. That's right. <laughs> Let me ask you, Lynn, have you turned from your sin? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour? I have. Great. 
And Lynn, do you commit to being Jesus' disciple and uh, serve him in his church by his grace? I do. Great. Well, again, we've heard your testimony and we've witnessed uh, you responding to these questions. And so now, Lynn, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, I now baptise you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. wonderful experience to witness those baptisms and what a great moment for uh, David and for Lynn. And if your name is Paul, I think God's speaking to you this morning. <laughs> respond, respond. I uh, just want to uh, acknowledge something that's going on too in our country. Uh, Aussies are going well at the Australian Open, don't you think? If you are tired this morning because you're up till 4.36, I believe, uh, watching Leighton Hewitt win last night, you'll be a proud Aussie this morning. Um, we uh, have just been so thrilled with Casey Delacqua's uh, play. She's been fantastic, hasn't she? She was here on the border just uh, last month and Alex, my daughter, got that snap at a party we were at where she was. That was before anyone had heard of her. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> Just in December. So go Aussies and we're looking forward to seeing her tonight as well. Uh, today we're looking at the second part in a three-part series about the biblical images of the church. And when I say the word church, some of you have all kinds of images that jump up in your mind. Some of you think of oh, disunity. Some of you think of uh, hurt, especially if you've ever been in a church where there's been, uh, you've had conflict with leadership or people in the church. Maybe there still brings back feelings of hurt when you hear about that. Uh, sometimes when people think of uh, the church, they think of the constitution, you know, the rules by which a church operates. Some of you think of this here as the church, the Sunday morning service. Some of you think, no, the small group is my church. That's where I meet. Some of you say, the church for me is just the outdoors, being in creation. You know, it's good to have all these ideas and thoughts. But what does the Bible say the church is? What are the biblical images of the church? Because this is God's word. And God's word can be trusted it, none of it is wrong. And when we look at what the Bible says about what the church is, then we're actually understanding what God thinks the church is. So last week we looked at the biblical image of the, we are the people of God. And we looked at the fact that God right through the ages has been calling to himself a people right from the very beginning of time. And we looked at the fact that because we are the people of God, we are a chosen people. And that's a cause for worship and celebration. Uh, it, it, it said we, we are a priests. All of us are called and none of us are more important than the other. Each of us has access to, to God. Uh, we, we also looked at the fact that we're set apart and holy, that Therefore, because of all those things, we're to declare the praises of God as his people. The people of God, the church. 
But, you know, there's no one image that can sum up all that the church is. And so today we look at the image of the body of Christ. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. How does this image, the body of Christ, speak to us as a church about who we are and therefore how we should live? We know the word body, I looked it up in the Oxford Concise Dictionary and it says the body is an aggregate of persons, in other words, kind of like a governing body or things or substance, like a body of water, all together. They can also refer to a person's body. Uh, The body of Christ, uh, therefore, when Paul uses it, is saying the body of Christ, the church, is the locus of Christ's activity now on earth. Bear with me in this. When Jesus was on earth, he ministered from his physical body. He was fully human, yet he was fully God. Yet his activities were limited to where he was and where he was going. The miracles that he did, the things that he taught, happened around his physical body. And when he died and rose again and ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God, uh, the Father, that's where he is now. And Paul, when he speaks of the church as the body of Christ, he is saying that we are now Christ's body on earth, where where his physical body has gone. We are his body now on earth doing his work, continuing his work. See, Jesus as Christ's body, Jesus Christ's body was the physical body on earth during his earthly activity and we continue doing his work on earth now. Um, this is seen where Jesus said in John, he said, but I tell you the truth, he said to his disciples, it's good for you that I'm going away. He said, the reason it's good that I'm going away is because unless I go, the counsellor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus was saying, if I'm here in my body, I'm only going to be able to impact people as I meet them and go to them and preach to them and speak to them. But if I go, the Holy Spirit can come and he will dwell in each one of you and he will work amongst you and you'll be able to do my work, not just in one place, but all over the place. John 16, 7, it's better that I go because then the counsellor can come. You know, the book of Acts, some people have said, the book of Acts of the Apostles should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus had ascended and the Holy Spirit was now at work in the believers of Christ. Those who put their faith in him, the church, were continuing God's work, not in his physical body, but as the body of Christ. So, we're a body. We're Christ's body. Not only that, this body is both universal and local. Look at uh, the, the image and how it's used in Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. Paul uses it in a sense of universal application. As God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in 
every way. So we're not talking about just us as the body of Christ, but every single person throughout the whole world who trusts in Jesus Christ and names him as their Lord and Saviour are the body of Christ. It's universal. Everybody who's a Christian. That means we're one with other churches in Wodonga. We're one with other churches in Albury who name the name of Jesus and have him as their Lord and Saviour. But also Paul uses it not just to speak of a universal body of Christ, but a local body of Christ. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now he was referring to the church in Corinth And he could just as equally say to us today at Wodonga District Baptist Church, you are the body of Christ. Within this body, God has given us all the gifts and all the parts so that we in and of ourselves are the body of Christ. While at the same time, the whole world universal who trust in Jesus Christ are the body of Christ. And while other Christians here within Wodonga or Albury or in Australia can be called also the body of Christ. Of Christ. It has different applications at different times where Paul uses this term. So the question this morning is how do you become members of the body of Christ? Well, this is how you become members of the body of Christ. Uh, Let me just ask you today as you come in, did you notice that you didn't have to purchase a ticket on your entry? Did you know that? Did anyone have to purchase a ticket to come in? No. Did you seat in numbered seats this morning? You didn't have that, did you? Because uh, the, the church is not like a, a venue where you have to pay an entry fee to get in and have allocated seats. We're not like that. So if you're here this morning and, and you're saying, where do I pay? There's no, no payment. But if you're looking for a membership fee or something like that, the good news is that there is no membership fee. You don't have to pay like you might to other clubs to become a member. There's no payment in the church for membership. So if you're wanting to join and sign up this morning, it's free. That's the good news. But the bad news is you can't just join by your own determined effort. The church is not a club. It's not a club. In the dictionary, a club is an association of persons united by some common interest, meeting periodically for cooperation or conviviality. That's a good word, isn't it? (laughs) Need to look up the dictionary to find the dictionary meaning for the dictionary meaning. The church, Paul says, is not a club. It's a body. It's the body of Christ. And we're not people who make up a club by our own interests or efforts. We're those who have responded to the call of God. We have put our faith in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. We have responded to the risen Lord Jesus. We have received forgiveness from him. We have been made new creations. The old life has gone. The new has come. We've been filled with his spirit. Christ is in us and we are joined together and we are in him, the body of Christ. So much harder, isn't it, than just signing a membership form and paying your fee? Completely different. It's a response to the living Jesus Christ. So how do you become part of that, the body of Christ? It's by accepting and responding to Christ's love, 
by receiving his forgiveness and trusting in him for eternal life. How do, you, how do we kind of uh, receive members into this church, this local body? Well, the way that we do that is the way that the earliest Christians responded to the love of Christ. They identified themselves with the body of Christ by going through the waters of baptism. The act of being baptised signifies that we are uniting ourselves with Christ. We begin uh, baptism with a word of testimony that you heard today about what Christ has done in our life. As as we are baptised... We are identifying ourselves with Christ's death as we go down and we die to ourselves. And as we're raised up from the waters, it's saying that we are now living a new life under Christ as our Lord and as our Saviour. We rise and we identify with him. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he says, For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body. Did you know baptism is the clearest visible sign that a person has responded to the love of Christ and is in Christ. They are willing to identify with his work through a public testimony. They are not ashamed to declare their faith. When we, as a church affirm that this person has been baptised and put their faith in Jesus Christ, that is the point where we welcome them into membership. Just a funny little thing happened out the back there before, which you wouldn't be aware of, but, um, yeah, that, yeah, that yellow one, honey. I, I baptised Freckle, right? And uh, as soon as he came up out of the waters, he moved out into the back and he waited and watched me do Lynn. And then as he came out... While I was still dripping wet, he handed me this. This is his membership application. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but you know what? It, it's, it's very appropriate because the way to be officially become a member of our church is through baptism. Uh, not only because it's, a re- you know, it's not a requirement that we put down as the heavies, but it's, we've been baptised into one body, into the body of Christ. I'm one. Now I can become a member. Please, here we go. Isn't that nice, hey? That is what baptism is. Uh, not only uh, do we become... This, this, so that's how we become part of Christ's body. And I've just got to let you know as we just leave that, we don't want to put too much emphasis on that because we've got to remember that um, however, there was no official church membership in the early church, okay? So we don't want to get too silly about this. But baptism, nevertheless, was the sign that you were identifying with and were a part of the body of Christ. Well, that's the clearest sign of becoming part of the body of Christ. Faith in Jesus and being baptised as a believer What does it mean for us as a church today then, though, to be the body of Christ? Today, if you and I trust in him, if we're part of his body, that means, above all, that we've got a lot of things in common, each of us. If you look along the row or around you, 
with people who trust in Jesus, you've got a lot of things in common. First of all, we're united under one head, Jesus. We're united together with Jesus Christ as the head of this church. It says in Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, as a, as a pastor, we've got to realise together as the church that I'm not the head of the church. Now, when I say that, you should go, hallelujah, okay? <laughs> Why don't we try this? <laughs> I'm not the head of the church. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know why? Because Jesus is the head of our church. It's our very first value. We are a Christ-centred church. We believe that Jesus is the head of our church. You know, in Colossians chapter 1, it says that we come under his authority as a church because all things were created through him and for him. He's the beginning, the firstborn. All things in heaven and on earth will be brought under one head, even Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, Believers united with him are being nourished through him, the head to which they are connected. Jesus is our head and he feeds us and we grow as we depend on him. Not on your small group leader, not on your Sunday school leader, not on your pastor, but as you depend on Christ. And all these other people are so important in helping us be connected to Christ. But Christ is the one that we come under his supreme authority. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, Jesus said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, never let anyone get you depending on them. You know, you know someone is part of the body of Christ when they keep pointing you to Jesus and a relationship with him. As the head, he rules this church. Do you know, uh, it says in, uh, two, in Colossians chapter 2 and verses 9 to 11, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head of every power and authority. Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. It's being guided and controlled by him. Some of the ways we do this, only members get to gather around at a church meeting where we seek the mind of Christ. We say, God, where are you leading us? Should we do a, a, a building extension? Should we add another person to the staff? Should we change some of the constitution? And you know what we do? We get together and we don't just vote. We say, Jesus, will you speak to me now as I vote, as I put this down? Would you lead us as a church? And we believe that if it's just me making the decisions, that's dangerous because, you know, I'm a sinner just like you. But if it's all of us seeking the mind of Christ, oh, God speaks through all of us and he leads us as his church, his body. He above all wants to lead us in the right direction. He's our Lord. And that's the way it will stay, church. Not only are we united under one head, Christ, but we're united under 
I just spoke about it, Christ rules the church. But we're united as members of one body. You know, the church as a body speaks of an interconnectedness between us all. Um, each person who is connected to Christ is therefore connected to one another. You know, like a physical body. If I walk down, can you imagine if this just arm just whoop and left? You know, we're all connected together. If my heart is strong and, and pumping blood to the rest of my body, that will be great. If my, you know, if my foot is limping, the whole body limps. You know, if, if you ever had a toothache and tried just to ignore it, thinking, you know, look, it's just my mouth area, the rest of my body, don't focus on that, you know? You can't. We're all connected. And Jesus is saying like a body, Paul is saying like a body, like a physical body, we're connected to each other. And he develops this in 1 Corinthians 12 because he develops the idea of interconnectedness essentially in terms of the gifts of the Spirit. What he's saying here is that we need to depend on one another upon each other as we use the gifts that he has given us so each part of the body of Christ can play its part so that we have a thriving, pumping body of Christ that is able to uh, do all that Christ has called us to do. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. The body is a unit. Though it's made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So he goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 12 to say that all, whether Jew or Greek, have been baptised by one spirit into one body. We've been made to drink from the one spirit. All of the various members have been given different gifts. They're not for our personal satisfaction, just for us to use when it pleases me and when I feel good about it. No, we're to use them to build up the body, to help the body grow. We're to do it together so together as a whole we can be built up. There's a diversity of gifts. Of course, not all have the same gift. We all have different gifts. But you know what? That shouldn't cause disunity. It should cause unity as we depend on one another so that the body is full and growing in the fullness of Christ. Uh, some of these gifts are more conspicuous than others. But that doesn't mean they're less important. You know, some of you might have the gift of, of helps or gifts of encouragement. No one might even really know what you're doing, but it's helping the body. You know, the, the liver is part of my body and you don't even see it. And yet, if I had a crooked nose, you'd notice that straight away. But if my liver shuts down, I'm going to die, you know. But if my nose is a bit out of whack, I can keep living, you know. And sometimes the very inconspicuous ones, we, we can't neglect. We need to give them more honour together. And we have to be careful that together all the gifts are, are honoured and valued. Do you know, you know what? They, there's no gift that everyone has. Uh, all are different. Some of us don't have the gifts. And therefore, none of us have all the gifts because we need to rely on one another. And this means there's a real interconnectedness a dependence in the body of Christ. Each member needs one another. So you know what? If you're part of the body of Christ today, good news is you have a gift. Why don't you just say with me, I have a gift. Ready? One, two, three. I have a gift. Hallelujah. It's good news, isn't it? Second thing, we need to use our gifts to help the body. Okay? Because if I'm just walking along like this, I'm not walking along like this, am I? This one's not working. And we need 
each of the people in the body of Christ to use their gifts. Just ask yourself now, am I using my gifts? Am I taking responsibility for using my gifts? Am I seeking to get into ministries where I feel my gifts are? If I don't know what they are, am I talking to people about it? Am I trying to contact the church or my leaders or my small group leaders to help discover what my gifts are? Uh, The other thing is, if you feel you have just a small gift and it's not important, don't be so silly. It's very important. You, You must be reprimanded. However little you think your gift is, it's very important to us as a church. If you think it's weird or, you know, people don't understand it, we'll try to really understand it. We'll work together on this. Uh, and I, I want you to know, you are, you are responsible for your gifts. So please, I want to let you know um, that you are important. One of my biggest concerns over the last, you know, the times, often I get grief, I get shock, I get upset when people come to me and they say, I'm leaving the church. And I say, you know, why? And they say, because you're a big church and you don't need my gifts, you know. I'm going to another church where I can use my gifts. And I think, how did we ever communicate to you that your gifts aren't valuable? How did we ever communicate as a church that we don't need your gifts? And I just want to say, on behalf of each one of you, that if we have ever said that your gifts aren't important, I'm really sorry, because nothing could be farther from the truth. Every single person has gifts, and every gift is important. And if we've ever made you to feel that they are not, I'm sorry. It's got to start with me, and I'm sorry about that. It grieves me more than you will know when people feel that we don't value your, your gifts. Um, we're to work together and we're to serve. And he's given us all the gifts. And if you're not being used, we need you being used. And let's work to get that together. Hey, we're united as members of one body. We're united under Christ as our head. You still with me? Great. We're united in communion with Christ and with each other. Uh, how do we uh, live continually together as the body of Christ? How do we do that? Well, what needs to uh, mark our living together then is a love and a concern and a care for one another. You know, Paul sees this demonstrate as we come to, to eat around the Lord's table. You remember how we take the bread and the cup and we share together and we give thanks for Christ's death. We remember his death and his resurrection on the cross. Uh, resurrection uh, as well and that he's forgiven us our sins and he's living in our lives and he's given us a secure hope and a future and we remember all those things at communion and Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that we ought to examine ourselves as we come to eat and he says then he goes on to say that anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drink judgment on himself and Paul makes this point, understanding that the Lord's Supper is perhaps where we come together and we recognise the body of Christ. How does this happen? Well, when we come together around the table, we remember what he's done for us and the grace that he's shown us and that we all have been saved and redeemed through his death on the cross. And do you know what he says in, in 1 Corinthians? He says, 
If we are then to recognise what Jesus has done and then we are to neglect other people or to hurt other people or to hold judgement against other people or to slander or to gossip other people, he says, this is hurting the body of Christ. You don't understand that. You know, in 1 Corinthians, there were people who were coming to the Lord's Supper. They were sharing in fellowship and some were getting early and they were thinking, I'm hungry, I'm just going to go for my life. And they'd eat, eat and eat and they'd drink, drink. And some of them were getting drunk, some of them were eating too much and, and Paul say this is not to be you don't understand the body of Christ because he's died for us and we believe in him we're one we care for each other we love one another we're unified so when you drink and eat do it in a way that honours and loves one another. I think Paul knew this so clearly because on the road to Damascus, he was a non-Christian. He was going to try and persecute Christians and he was coming along the road and Jesus appeared to him face to face. A bright light blinded him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You know, Jesus, he thought Saul, he thought uh, Jesus was dead. He, he was persecuting his followers, not Jesus. And yet here's this voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I think as Paul reflected on that, he was thinking, when I persecute the people of God, I'm hurting Jesus. And if you are part of this body and you slander someone else, part of this body, do you know how serious that is? How hurtful it is? When you see someone suffering and don't help them, when you see someone in, in pain or hurt and don't pray for them, it hurts the body. It would be like my foot sort of kicking other parts of my body or my head whacking into other things. It would be ridiculous. So that's not to be amongst us. We're unified in communion with Christ. And finally, this morning, we're not only unified in communion with Christ and one another, but we're united to grow and to be transformed together. Just as we conclude, if you will look with me in Ephesians chapter 4. Will you turn there if you have your Bibles this morning? And in Ephesians chapter 4, you'll notice that uh, there's a whole section in chapter 4 that starts off with unity in the body of Christ. And from chapter 14, Ephesians 4 and 14, Paul pitches a, a time when the body of Christ will be working together that he says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceit, the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. As we are united under the head Jesus Christ, as we are learning from him, being nurtured in him, as we are together are correcting, teaching, rebuking, encouraging, trying to help each other grow, we will grow up, we will no longer be infants, babies, tossed away by every, every false teaching. You know, when people say, oh, I heard this or I'm going to add this to my faith, but it's got nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with what Christ has said, that grieves us. And, and as we continue to look to Christ and read his word and look to him and study together and encourage one another, we grow up from being infants to being mature. 
and we are transformed. You know we, how we do that? It's in community, unity, united to grow and be transformed together as we love one another, as we pray for one another, as we bear with one another, as we rebuke, help, you know, care for one another together, then we grow mature. I'm going to tell you this morning as we finish. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you're part of his body. If you're part of his body, then Christ wants you to become more and more like him. Acknowledging him as Lord and Saviour of your life. Being united with others under him as his head. Being united in love for one another as we share together in communion and together as his body. And being united to grow and be transformed together so we're no longer immature, but we're mature in him. Let me ask you this morning, are you committed to Jesus Christ? Are you committed to him? Because if you're trusting in your small group leader, if you're trusting in self-help methods, if you're trusting in your own wishful thinking or just a really trying to work hard, it's not enough. You need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And this morning, if you're feeling disconnected to the body, you know the best way to do that, to get connected, is to surrender yourself to Jesus Christ afresh. Just as David and as Lynn have publicly testified today, people who are the body of Christ are committed to him and committed to one another for his goodwill. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that we are the body of Christ. Help us to live in such a way that honours you and that when people look at us, they see us and they see you. God, thank you that we are your body. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now this morning, just before we finish, I'd just love to ask David and Lynn just to come up for a moment. And why don't we just I um, just want to present them their baptism certificate so that they can uh, take this home and uh, frame it or do whatever you like with it. But remember this occasion. Great stuff, David. And, and Lynn. No, it doesn't say Paul. Great. God bless. <laughs> in these closing moments, would you just take your blue cards out? They're in the news sheet. And we'd just love you to uh, take those out and put them in front of you now. And if you have a few moments, we would really just love it if you could just fill in your name and details. Uh, it's just our way of knowing that you were with us this morning. Uh, also, we'd love you, as you're filling out your name and details, to turn over the card and look on the back. There's opportunities for you to say, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. If I've never done that before, you can do that this morning just by saying yes to Jesus, letting us know that you've done that. If you have never been baptised, there's opportunity to do that today, to just say, I'd like to be baptised. If you want to become a church member, you've been baptised by full immersion and you're wanting to become a member, just let us know by ticking a box there. If there are prayer requests, would you pray? 
why don't you just fill that out in these next few moments?